And welcome to Movies and Tea, and more importantly, welcome to another exciting edition of Shark Week here at Movies and Tea. I'm your host, as always, Elwood Jones, and joining me, of course, is my co-host, Miss Kim Love. Hello. Uh, on tonight's show, we look at The Reef, an Australian shark movie, in which a group of people uh, find themselves in a uh, life-or-death situation when their yacht capsizes. But we will find out what happens to them over the course of this episode as uh, we obviously check, check the film out. Um, the film itself, the re released in 2010, is directed by Andrew Takarucci, who's uh, a director best known for directing the likes of Dark Water. Um, and is really a director whose name is really synonymous with the creature feature sort of genre really is he not only directed the reef he as i said he directed black water also known as the crocodile movie where people spend most of the movie up in the trees um he also contributed to the abcs of death and um has also provided a sequel to this film in 2019 with the reef stalked uh, the film itself though is based on a true story we will use that term in the most loosest way possible. That's what this be. Uh, it's always the best way when you approach with anyone throws the uh, name. Uh, so sorry, throws um, based on true events at you because it's never really actually based on the true events, but more just the idea inspired by uh, true events. But uh, Kim, this was obviously a film that you chose for this week. I mean, you're going into this. I, I assume a fan. Yeah, I mean, I've seen The Reef, I think, two or three times before re-watching it for uh, this, um, I mean, this recording. But, I mean, I feel like The Reef has changed over time for me. I remember, I think I, I always seem to remember the first time I watched it and just how, I guess, how impressive it was at that time. I mean, I think I watched it the first time was in 2012, right? And between 2012 to now, we've had... I guess movies, I mean, this time watching it, I feel like it. the tension is still there, but um, I'm starting to see that there were other movies that, I guess, came along the way with, I guess, similar things that happened, but maybe have done it a little better. I don't know if it's just me or whatever, but um, I mean, obviously right now we're, <laughs> we're getting to... Um, you know, slim pickings for our shark movies. So we're we're looking back at some of these other ones. Um, but I mean, the reefs is still. I think it's the wilderness kind of concept, right? The horrors of wilderness and isolation, and it's the helplessness of that of being stuck on the water and in movement in water, right? Which really gives it that suspense. Um, I mean, because if you think about something similar that we've looked at previously was kind of like The Shallows, which has a similar setting to this one, but, um, other than, you know, obviously there's a bit of motion, but there's a lot of, you know, staying in one area, um, and then trying to survive, whereas this group is trying to move to, you know, towards an island that they believe is within X amount of distance type of thing. Yeah, definitely so. I mean, when it comes to the reef, it's less of a sort of traditional shark movie setup where you have a group of characters being sort of stalked by one or several sharks. Um, in this case, it's more 
a survival story as these uh, this group uh, sort of find themselves with this sort of life or death situation where their yacht capsizes and they're faced with the choice of either staying on the yacht um, where they have the potential of never being rescued and slowly dying of depression or they can make the <coughs> swim for sure in a journey that will take them through shark infested waters and this is the story that uh, the reef obviously chooses to tell um, as this group is slowly whittled down one by one over the course of the film. Um, as we said, this is based on a true story, and the story itself is the story of Ray Boundy, who in 1983 was on a fishing boat that he was travelling along with uh, his friend, uh, Dennis Smurf Murphy, and his girlfriend, Linda. The boat capsized, and the trio were tossed into the shark-infested waters near Townsville in Australia. They had surfboards to stay afloat to swim to a nearby reef where they were hoping to be rescued. Now, um, along the way, the uh, Dennis had managed to injure himself in the leg, which attacked a shark, in particular a 15-foot tiger shark that uh, took an interest and he decided to save his friends by swimming out and luring the shark away and was unfortunately killed. Uh, the shark two hours later came back and took Linda who basically left uh, Boundy as the only survivor and he was uh, the only really spared a similar fate as his friends as he was uh, rescued just in time. So it's a similar story to the one we have here. The story we have here though is more just a this group of survivors attempting to swim to uh, what they assume is a nearby shore, which, uh, of, of course, as we all know, in these sort of situations, proves to be a much, much more difficult uh, swim than they first intend, and certainly one that's made only the more difficult by the arrival of sharks in the nearby waters. So, it, um, yeah, it's, as I said, it's a little bit of a different take, obviously, having a survival story with this one rather than, you know, just this. this the uh, straight up usual um, hunter and hunted uh, plot that we're kind of used to looking at with these shark movies. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's what I, that's what really attracted me the first time was, you know, obviously I like shark movies, but I feel that over time there's kind of like this growth of kind of this survival movie and the, and, and especially kind of, like survival horror but not usually refer to survival horror as in like gaming but this is like survival horror um in the terms of movies so you're talking about wilderness and the dangers of wilderness it's a nice angle to take and i mean you can really i mean deep waters is kind of i think for some people it's a genuine fear because not only are there sharks but there are a lot of unknown right once you look to a certain distance into deep water you don't see what's under anymore and it doesn't help when you have your three other buddies are freaking out in the water and kicking up all bubbles and all this stuff and then <laughs> you're trying to find whether you're being followed by some kind of shark or or whatever underwater uh creature <laughs> and it's 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 a lot of the unknown and and you can really, I think that the canvas of this is really nice because you really have this focus on kind of the emptiness of just 
the area they're, they're in. There's nothing for distances. It kind of just falls off in the distance. And <laughs> you have these beautiful water, beautiful skies. And, you know, they travel and travel. And then they don't know. They keep having this feeling in this space that something's following them and whatnot. And whether they've made a good decision to do this. And I think, I think in reality, the execution of it is pretty good in general um, for this one. I mean, I, I think the watching the I this time, I re, I'm starting to really notice that. I mean, acting is not really one of the top priorities of shark movies. Um, but I mean, this one had some, I don't know, unbearable characters, I guess. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, I, th I still think the execution is pretty good. They don't overuse uh music too much they do have some kind of tropey cues every once in a while to give you that kind of startling jump scare effect um but overall i mean the the survival elements that and that sort of thing is pretty simple and i think with that sort of simplicity of the plot and and whatnot uh once we get into the waters uh and the movie really kicks off with kind of this this danger element and this emptiness element and this wilderness type of survival we really the movie really picks up yeah i think i've you nailed it perfectly right when you obviously talk about the idea of people being taken out of the element because as a species we tend to be think ourselves pretty comfortable with the world around ourselves and it's really when you put yourself into this sort of uh, this sort of area where nature has got more the upper hand that there's a real sort of tension straight off the bat i mean be it out in you know the mountainous wilderness or if we're out in like the savannah or in this case even the ocean i mean anything that really removes any sort of advantage that we have and certainly with as we see perfectly with this film with the ocean it's sort of like it's a big place and it's very hard to keep track of everything that's happening in the ocean and you're also dealing with things which have got the home advantage in particular sharks in this this case and i mean it's interesting as well this is an australian shark movie there's only been really what, two shark movies from australia there's this and there's been bait which we covered uh, previously didn't they have another similar one was it australian open waters was it australian or american no or open water English was um was a uh, american one and uh, the director okay. got kind of pissy about it as uh, basically he cited the fact that you know sharks and shark attacks are kind of synonymous with australia and the fact that it's never been something that has been sort of looked at really and mm. he goes on to cite that it's like basically one of the most searched for terms in google uh for moving <laughs> australia is you know australia and shark attack um and the fact that you have like you know friends and relatives that come from overseas and they're too scared to enter the ocean because they're believe they're going to be attacked by a shark but you know anytime you go to australia you're afraid you're going to get attacked by something because the country is home to more animals that will maim and kill you than anywhere else in the world so i think it's a pretty it's nothing wrong with that sort of thinking really but um yeah basically he goes on to cite that you know the americans took one of our true stories and turned it into a very successful film called open water which was released in 2003 really sort of noteworthy for taking that blur witch approach of using handheld cameras and um telling the story of these two divers that are basically stranding out in the open water after their diving uh, boat that they're with uh, leaves them behind 
and uh, obviously the other big inspiration is Jaws in 1975, which I mean is essentially where every movie which followed um, can be sort of traced back to. So it um, he kind of wanted to get, take something back really and to you know make an Australian shark movie. Um, especially because it's this is uh, the place where everyone sort of comes to get the footage for their shark movies and they thought well, why are we not sort of uh, getting in on this game so that's what he obviously did with this film and yeah he certainly achieved that goal but yeah we I mean we just obviously get into the actual story side of things I mean here we've got um, this group of friends you've got a brother and sister and uh the brother's girlfriend and they're meeting up with uh, his friends luke here played by damien walsh howling who's um got all the charisma of a potato and uh <laughs> he's basically set up as this tough action guy who we're all going to be like supposedly rooting for um it's kind of interesting funny as well the fact that uh the same actor managed to stand on a stonefish three days into shooting, which is probably one of the most stupid things you can do because they're incredibly poisonous. But that's another thing altogether. But uh, yeah, basically, he's uh, got a job where he transports sailboats uh, around the country to the different ports that they're, they're due for. And at the same time, he's got this uh, history with Kate, who's uh, his friend Matt's. Uh, sister and uh, the four of them are going to go off on this this boat with uh, their friend Warren and um, have this 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 awesome adventure and of course it all goes south when uh, the boat mysteriously capsizes but nobody seemingly knows how because it's completely flat water so this boat just magically flips over and uh, I don't know if you had any sort of insights into how this happened at all and I I would just miss it. Yeah, well, it it was it was seems like it was some kind of animal <coughs> attack, so you can assume it was the shark, or that it hit the bottom of the reef or something like that. Because now you say that, I think they say it was a whale, which is just even yeah. more stupid. No, because no, 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 because they had what they were assuming. Because what the camera did was there was something that happened, and then it it's you see the boat kind of uh, scrape kind of like the bottom of something like the water, and then it. And then it capsizes, and it's all like a big mess in that turn, right? But when they turn the boat over and then they look at it, the the side or something, there's kind of like this wood that's kind of uh, pointing out. Like the the wood on the side is 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 dented type of thing. It's like it's like con- concaved. It's like caved in. But I mean, I think that their assumption is that something you know, it's either got hit by something or something hit it or they hit the bottom or something, a rock or a reef or something like that. Um, I mean, that's the only assumption that you can have. So I guess something with momentum, moving momentum in order to capsize it would be, I guess, the clue. So I I would assume maybe they're trying to hint that it's, you know, obviously it's going to be the obvious um, kind of conclusion would be that maybe the shark did it, right? Um, because it seems like the shark was kind of, I don't know, suddenly it miraculously shows up in the water, right? But although, I mean, they are on in the shark's turf, so it's not really miraculously out of nowhere, right? Yeah, and prior to this, the uh, group have gone 
uh, scuba diving at a local reef and uh, managed to destroy the only dinghy that they have with them. So they uh, have no no additional um, way of, of getting off the boat. So they've uh, destroyed the uh, the dinghy, which is basically their backup. They've got a monitor which uh, will get. You know, it's the only form of distress signal, but it needs a, a plane to fly over it. And uh, Lucas basically says, no, this isn't going to work because, you know, they're not in any sort of flight paths. So the only choice that we have is that we're going to go and swim all the way over to this island. And it will take only three hours. And, um, yeah, if anyone, like, knows anything about, you know, when you see land in the distance and swimming... If someone says it's going to take three hours, it's going to take a lot longer. And also, he comes up with this amazing plan, not taking into account anything like currents or drift or anything at all. He's just like, yeah, we can see land over there. We can totally swim to that. Uh, let's not stay on this boat where we're, we're perfectly sort of safe and dry. And, you know, the boat could drift into a, a plane lane. Nope. Lake is like fully gung-ho on this idea that they're all going to swim over to this island and uh, for some reason his friends are just totally behind him because I don't know they're a bunch of schmucks um, yeah but I mean to, to, to kind of like stop you there is they, he does make the judgment that the current at this at the direction that it's flowing yeah. is going to push the, the capsized boat into the ocean and if you go to the ocean, no one's going to find you, pretty much. Like, the chances of someone saving you is much less than if they try to survive and go somewhere, right? I mean, both are kind of, you know, a toss. <laughs> yeah. Because you don't really know. You just need, it just really depends on your luck. You, how much do you trust trust? Luke's watch and judgment about where the land is and then you know obviously how far it is because he's like it's going to be a few hours which obviously isn't the case because you couldn't even see it in the distance yeah. uh, whereas you have the second option where you stay on the boat and in the end we realize the boat was nowhere to be found anyway so what we can assume from one of the scenes that they pan back is that the shark attacked the boat or something and it did not it doesn't exist anymore it's sunken somewhere it got eaten i don't know what happened um but something happened and because the camera cuts away from that scene which i think is one of the smarter executions here is is when they do that go back thing and then he drops his thing into the water and then you see kind of this i think the shark going towards the boat yeah and you kind of and then it just cuts off, so it kind of leaves you leaves the imagination, like what happens to him. Uh, obviously, you know the assumption obviously is that he died because at the end they couldn't find him. But I mean, so in reality, you think about that, the movie kind of gives you that thing that if they stayed on the boat, they would have died anyways. So maybe this was a better way. And now they're in the waters, and it's obviously at this point we realize it's not any better because. While they were swimming and then chatting about random things and, you know, thinking about sex while working out um, and having a good laugh and making a lot of noise on the water, <laughs> they're, um, you know, they're, they're, they're just going along and then they realize that there's, uh, there may be something following them and tracking them down. And that's when the whole mechanic of Luke and his little goggles come into play 
where he constantly is the person that's looking underwater in all directions to kind of track where the shark is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, doing a bit of research into this, into what you should do in these situations. Every single person said stay on the damn boat. But uh, because Strakuchi has decided that, no, this is how we should do it, and I'm right and everyone else is wrong, we end up having to follow these smucks as they attempt to uh, swim over to this uh, to, to this island. And as you said, Kim, they're, they're making a fair amount of noise, which is, as I said, is all, all fine and dandy and stuff. Um, because the fact they're in a group means that they instantly they shouldn't be attacked, and they should only really have been attacked if they were in sort of more spread out in individual numbers but because that wouldn't make to for an even less exciting movie the group instantly start getting like picked off one by one and i have to say that for a group that is as unlikable as uh as this one it's very hard to care that when you lose one of them it just becomes like a slightly less annoying situation you're faced with unfortunately the most annoying one is left to the last but then that was in my also personal opinion. I don't know about yourself, Kim. It was like, did you have like a, a picking order of like who annoyed you most here, or were they, or did you actually like these characters? Well, it's like I said. I mean, watching it again now, um, I don't. I think this time I've, I've really noticed how the characters are. You know, I I felt they were annoying. I've always felt I think Susie the most annoying. Okay. And then because um, she would just scream, and I hate people who incessantly scream in like horrible situations although i'm also a screamer in horrible situations but i mean <laughs> i'm more of like a, a uh, like a single shriek type of person um but she's like hyperventilating right they're all hyperventilating in this situation which i guess you can understand because you're not in this situation probably in that situation you might have done the same thing yeah um you know it's, it's hard to predict what you haven't experienced um but, I mean, for me, I thought the characters were... I think there was just, you know, it's like I said in the beginning of this, is is you don't cast great actors and actresses in, in these sort of movies a lot because, you know, they're pretty much... <laughs> they're pretty much, I guess, uh, just prey in general, right? I just really, you know, I think in this viewing, the thing that bothered me the most was the the characters felt so empty uh, right from you know they had a good amount of time to before they got into the world water and into this dangerous situation and the entire time that they spent kind of bringing these characters together was really set one thing was that they have this relationship with each other type of thing obviously the brother sister the girlfriend boyfriend the history between um kate and luke uh whatever right but none of them really I guess, have enough of either issues with them or anything to, I guess, enough for you to really kind of care about them before they get into this dangerous situation. And once they get into the situation, they just kind of talk about a lot of nothing. So you're really stuck in the situation where you're looking at these very, I guess, one-dimensional characters Yet again, I'm, I'm, I'm still defending the point that, like, most shark movies or creature features, you don't have very fleshed out characters to begin with. So one-dimensional characters usually is 
the most you get. <laughs> but, um, I mean, in this one, I think it's really the point that most of them are, I guess, they're just very irritating to watch. Mm. I, I don't know if, I, I feel kind of sad because I told you to watch this and I, I was like, I really like this. And then I'm watching this and the, this is like, I mean, my, like I said, my third or fourth time watching this. And it's been a few years since I've watched it. Yeah. And I feel very different about it. Like, I still think there are really great points, but I just realized that before I really liked it was because of the tension. And while the tension is still there, I'm starting to take this experience as a whole and realize that these characters are really irritating and they actually stop me from enjoying the tension. <laughs> I just, I think the whole situation, because as I said, if like knowing a little about, uh, about, about these sorts of situations, obviously be coming from living in a coastal place, you learn like what you're supposed to do if you, you capsize mm-hmm. and stuff. So to see people so blatantly, stupidly going along with this, this plan, I mean, anyone said time someone says, "Oh, let's swim to the shore," and I'm just thinking that's the most stupid idea possible. It's like without the sharks and everything else, you've got to basically work on the fact that you're going to be battling exhaustion, uh, the water temperature. You're going to be also be battling like elements, tidal patterns. There's like all these other elements. The fact that the sharks are just like so way down the list here. And mm-hmm. we, th- I think the bit which really did it me in is the fact that we have this like scene where they're in the water overnight, because apparently, which is fine because you know sharks have bedtime, and uh, they don't attack people <laughs> at night, despite it being like the most key time for shark attacks is is at night because this way to say you don't go swimming in the ocean at night. But regardless, but yeah, this uh, this trio managed to somehow be magically anchored to the spot so they don't drift like miles off course in over the course of the night and they just like still happen to be in the same place and they have the same uh location in front of them that they have to have to swim to and it's like okay so i think you know i think i think that's a, i think i think that's a difference between me and you and many things is that I'm over for me it. what it is is with a lot of with a lot of these type of movies yeah i i don't put a whole lot of logic into it like, sure, the logic is in your mind, and that whole night scene was kind of ridiculous. But I, I think I'm one of those people, which is probably why I like the Fast and Furious franchise so much. <laughs> it's really the fact that I have this incredible thing where when I get into a movie, I just kind of buy the premise. And a lot of times I think it's how much you buy into a premise yeah. and the ridiculousness of a premise that can really lead to how much you enjoy a movie. And... For this one, I mean, I get where you're coming from, but at the same time, I mean, the movie does do itself a little bit of, like I said, it does itself a little bit of of merit because it does try to explain between the dialogue the logic behind it. Whether you buy it or not is obviously going to be anchored on whether you buy it or not because of just what it is that they they say and their logic behind it you might not believe the same thing right i don't i still don't so, know where i don't know where it's, as i said because it's obviously coming from an era where i have sort of like a grand of basic understanding of you know yeah, yeah coast had this been like if you know if this was a different sort of setup say like the lost in like the canadian mountains or something and they're having to like deal with a bear or an angry goose or something um i don't know what you guys have got up there 
Um, you know, I don't really have a lot of solutions, solutions so we're doing that with, uh, you know, that because we don't have bears. And, you but, know. Yeah. So I would no, probably no, I, I, get what, I get what you're saying because, because, you know, I mean, I'm the same way when people watch, you know, <coughs> movies that are very, you know, things that people don't know but I know about, say, Hong Kong or China or something or in those settings where I think it's ridiculous because it's something I've seen all the time, but... Whereas when you sell it in, like, say, an American movie or something that's sold for, meant for the foreign market or something, that it's a completely different experience. I have those same issues. So I can understand where you're coming from. But obviously, you know, I live on you know, a river. I'm living between, next to the St. Lawrence River in Canada. So I don't have experience with oceans and I don't plan on venturing out into the sea anytime soon. Um so, obviously, I don't have those same experiences. Sure, I get what you're saying. I mean, when you're faced with both concepts, to me, I, I can buy it because um, it really depends on how much you trust the dude that you're going with yeah. about the distance of where you need to go. Um, but, obviously, you know, uh, you could, like, both, like I said, both options that they had, staying on the boat or going in the water, was to unexpected ideas do you want to float out to sea or do you want to try to survive and hopefully have someone save you i mean both options is a maybe right like a big maybe um but i mean these are this is what happens when accidents happen out in the ocean and the wilderness and stuff right uh unexpected things and that's why these movies exist um i don't know i i don't know i don't really see the point of but sometimes when we do Shark Week, I really don't see the point of ripping the movie apart <laughs> because most of these movies don't make a whole lot of sense anyways. <laughs> I think. Um, but no, I mean, uh, no, no, I, I, I get where you're coming from because, I mean, like I said, I've watched this a few times and I think it's because over the past few years, I have watched a lot more shark movies, a lot more creature features, um, survival, um, horror, that my experience this time was definitely... A lot less. I actually ranked it lower than my previous ranking um, when I had to rate it again this this time okay. for this viewing. I... Um, it's sad, you know, because, you know, like we've been talking about, our shark weeks are getting lesser and lesser movies, and it really feels like we're in this kind of slim-picking situation, and <laughs> the movies we're starting to encounter seem to be getting lower in quality, and we need to think about where we're going to go next if we don't do sharks and not have to go into, you know, the whole, I don't know, quintology of <laughs> of Sharknado or something. I think you know? when it comes to shark movies, I think there's still, you know, there's still depths to be plumbed with this this genre, and I think there's still surprises to be had. I mean, you only have to look at our previous selection of um, for forty seven meters down. Yeah, for forty seven meters down on Caged, um, which I think was a director to DVD um, sort of movie. But I was actually pleasantly surprised by that one. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's still surprises to be had. I mean, we still haven't gone back into like the original sort of Jaws cash-in movies of, like, the 70s and look at things such as, like, Bruno Matai's Jaws 5, Cruel Jaws, or even, like, Mako Jaws of Death, uh, The Last Shark, like, the Italian shark movies, and even more recent entries like Shark Night 3D. So there's definitely movies to have. I think where this one falls short, though, is the fact that when you're not having fun with the movie... 
that you start to pick it you start picking holes in things a lot more when you're having fun with the film then you don't care about how logical things are let's take for example when we look at bait for example yeah that movie was constantly interesting it was constantly fun and it's the most stupid premise going it's like you know it's a tsunami and now we have sharks in a supermarket which is a more stupid premise than this. But at the same time, it's a lot of, a lot of fun. There's like constantly mm-hmm. things being thrown at me and curveballs here and there. And, you know, we got to see um, Maisie from Nip Tuck, Julian McLaren, I think his name is. So, yeah, there was definitely things to, to, to hold the interest. And I think that's where the reef falls down short it's like first off it's like these characters are just really unlikable from the start so no matter how much scantily clad flesh you throw in at the screen you're still not really gaining much of my interest mm-hmm. and then we put them into yeah. a really stupid situation and one which there's nothing really to do i mean we're out in the open water i mean we're not flashing off to like a search party or having any mm-hmm. sort of like cutaway to sort of hold our interest we're just watching these same four people bob around in the ocean and occasionally one of them's going to get bumped off and i think these these are things that are only going to work to your detriment it's like anytime the audience is given time to think then you're going to be in trouble in this especially in this sort of genre where you don't want the audience to be thinking you want to be keeping the audience busy with what's happening on screen and not thinking yeah. about like well if i was in this situation or does this make sense in this situation and um i think this is as i said is where I sort of pinpointed the main issue with the reef as being it's sort of like you're putting me in an environment that's not particularly interesting to look at with very uninteresting people whose plight I don't especially care about. Mm. Um, so that's that's um, where my main sort of issues with the film sort of lay. Yeah, no, I, I can definitely see where you're coming from. I mean, for the reef, I think in 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 a in a nutshell for for me in this viewing, at least after this viewing, is really that it has a decent premise. Like the concept of t- attacking a shark movie from a different angle is 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 a good you know it's a good starting point. Yeah, to change it into this kind of survival sort of deal, but at the same time, I think. It also tries to be this kind of um, slow burn thriller. And it's a bit hard to, I think, um, because of just how the characters are fairly unengaging from the beginning. And the beginning section, I realized in this viewing, was actually took up a good portion of the beginning. Um, where you actually get action is kind of near kind of the almost halfway point when they get into the water and where, you know, dangers start happening. And that's a really slow start for any sort of creature feature, I think. So there were some, you know, obvious pacing issues on this one. But I think where you make a really good point, I think, is the comparison of Bait and this one is that I think that when they did Bait, it was kind of a serious movie, but then there was a lot of kind of this silliness and humor to it um, oh yeah and we got that on top of that it was you had multiple areas and then there was a lot of people um there was like a lot of bodies that can die <laughs> through sacrifice right um in this whole ordeal and there were multiple sharks in the area whereas this one is one big ocean four people and then it was overkill if they had too many sharks so you only had one shark which was kind of tailing them, which you can assume is tailing them the entire way and kind of um, 
for some weird reason didn't attack them at night. And you start, I think, when you watch sometimes some shark movies, like, you know, um, at least for me, it's Deep Blue Sea, and, you know, for you, it might be Jaws 2 or something like that. Um, these movies we can rewatch and rewatch, and there's things that we like about it because it's not just, you know, a tense shark movie. There's some kind of humor to it. There's some kind of other things to it. Where The Reef, I think, falls short is that any sort of thriller, for me at least, um, unless it's something maybe like David Fincher or something super exceptional, um, it's hard to get you to watch it a second time and have that same feeling. And I think that when I watched The Reef the second time, I had that feeling where it was not quite as good as the first time, but it was still a tense experience. Uh, but, you know, there's something that, you know, shark movies is, is such a competitive market in kind of like the creature feature sort of thing. Every, it seems like what every year we at least have one shark movie or you're not looking at kind of the asylum fanfare and stuff like that, right? I think that that's the thing is there's, the reef doesn't hold up on a second viewing or repeated viewings because once you start, like you said, having time to think about the plot, think about the setting, think about the things that they're doing, it doesn't really hold up as well. And then the more time you spend with these characters, the more you feel that they're just very irritating to watch and annoying to get into. Um, and I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly, I think, I'm disappointed. <laughs> I don't know if I'm just in a bad mood when I'm watching this or, or whatever, but <laughs> I, I'm, I, I, I was so disappointed on this viewing for The Reef. Now I feel bad for you. <laughs> no, I feel bad because I chose this movie because we were running out of movies, and then I I pulled you in this, which you seem to absolutely loathe watching. So it's I'd say that, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's not but certainly wasn't our uh, most standout experience, and I think again I watched some some very questionable cinema to begin with, but I think when the viewing becomes when when there's nothing to really sort of be gained from the the viewing experience that's what tends to bring up my most more critical sort of side of of things is if you're not giving me something to to take away from it something to latch onto in this film um which i think the only sort of real redeeming thing of this film is the fact that they used actual nature footage of the film um Although there is a scene where the quality of the film stock footage being used is a different film stock than the actual film stock they're chewing it on. So I think it was like some library footage they have, and there's this uh, great white shark that's coming towards the boat, and it like suddenly switches to a different film stock, and it's so noticeably jarring that it would sort of sort of thing that uh, you expect in like Indian TV dramas where they have like stock wildlife footage for like hunting parties and stuff, and even they're pretty shameful, but this was bad. And then there's other scenes where it seemed they blend it really quite nicely. And um, obviously they shot the wildlife footage separate to uh, the actor footage. But there is a lot of, there's several shots within this where I thought, wow, they actually, you know, put the actors out with some sharks and uh, and got some interesting sort of uh, shots there. So it's uh, it's kind of nice to see them not going like CGI route or even like a practical effect route. Um, and just going out and shooting actual sharks, which is always fun to see even if um it's the idea of sharks being demonized which is never particularly fun but you know it's it is what it is um 
but yeah, it's yeah this 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 one didn't didn't particularly work for myself. So uh, so sorry, folks. <laughs> we're gonna work on a next one, which is gonna be better. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> we'll have another one. I'm not gonna like guarantee this can be better than this one. I mean. We've got a couple of ideas sort of kicking around as to say what we're going to go um, for our next Shark Week. So we'll just uh, say, you know, stay tuned for that one. Um, there's a couple of films if you did obviously like this that um, that you can check out. Obviously, there's uh, Open Water, which, is, mm-hmm. as we said already, was uh, released in 2003. Um, got a lot of attention when it came out. A lot of people really liked it, and the critics especially liked it. It's not one that I felt particularly compelled to go back to, um, especially as it was sort of like tapping into that Blow Witch vibe. But unlike the Blow Witch, it's just as have not the most interesting of settings. And the whole time when I'm watching this film as well, I just kind of wanted to go back and watch The Shallows again. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, for my further viewings, it would definitely be The Shallows. I think this is a most comparable one. Mm, definitely. Um, and and The Shallows, you know, I think one of the main things is. The Reef and the Shallows are so comparable in, I think, the premise uh, that The Shallows makes, a, I guess, just a more exciting kind of viewing because you're choosing the option, right, to be safe on a rock and then you leave when you have no other choice and when you have to try and figure out a way to survive. Whereas this one is, right off the bat, they choose to go out and survive and... You know, try and see if they can find that rock to go on. <laughs> yeah, knowing where to go. I right? mean, obviously, with um, with um, the shallows, it had all those and these again. It's had all these other interesting elements to it. I mean, you had the survival mm-hmm. picture. You had her sort of journey as a character. I mean, she was going into it, yeah. escape it, trying to escape her own sort of problems at home, and yeah. dealing with the death of her mother by going on this sort of like pilgrimage to this uh this surf spot that she had and it's the idea that she'd stumbled into the shark's hunting ground and then it's mm. sort of like trying to outsmart the this apex predator of like where we're obviously seeing her face these different sort of challenges and she even had that delightful steven seagal seagull to talk to mm-hmm. so yeah I think mean, it's a very good, good um, movie. Um, another one you can check out, which is less about sharks, but um, just more people in, a, you know, being adrift in the water, is Open Water 2, Adrift, um, where a group of kids out in a boat uh, decide they're going to jump off the side of the boat, but somebody forgot to put the ladder down. And uh, we basically follow these uh, kids as they try to get back on the yacht. Uh, with uh, various degrees of success, but it's it's funny really because over here they just released it as a drift, and I think everywhere else they released it as Open Water Two a drift, and I would never assume that those two movies are connected in any way whatsoever. So, <laughs> although I mean, if I were to add in a kind of survival sort of movie, but not in the sense like indie, but not in the sense of um, of. Uh, in the waters. Yeah. And in relation to something you you were talking about, like, Canada, Canadian. <laughs> um, that would be uh, Backcountry is a really, really great one about, you know, just the forests and stuff oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, I remember you recommended um, this. Just... Hmm? You recommended this to me before, and it's one that I'm still trying to hunt down over here, so. Because <laughs> I believe it's bears, isn't it? 
Uh, yes, yeah. bears. Yeah. Which uh, themselves are just scary as all hell. I mean, it's. <laughs> Um, it's like when you see that footage of people being stalked by like baby bears and stuff. It's like it's the most scariest footage going. So, <laughs> and it also makes me question: Can bears run downhill? Or can they? Can I don't don't know. I don't know. I, okay. I really don't. I think they can, but I don't know. I one certain point maybe they'll roll down. Because <laughs> this <laughs> fairy cannonball <laughs> running towards you. I, again, I don't know if it's the same as the fact dogs can't look up. So. <laughs> anyway, um, that was the reef. Um, you can it's available now on Netflix, depending on where you are in the world. Not in Canada. <laughs> it's available in the UK in Netflix. So if you uh, run out of things to watch, you can always check it out there. Yeah, that was as I said. That was the uh, the reef in twenty ten. Um, thank you as always for listening. If you uh, want to see, check out our full archive episodes, you can do it moviesandteapodcast.wordpress.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and uh, you know, let us know what you think of the show. You can uh, if you buy, you know, leave us as a review and uh, whether you happen to be listening to us, make sure you hit the like and subscribe buttons. It all helps raise the profile of the show. Um Kim for our next viewing because we're obviously in that after hours block and what are we going to be looking at next yeah the next um after hours uh, is gonna be your pick which i don't know what okay. i'm introducing but <laughs> it's gonna be your 28th it's gonna be your pick and it's um the 2018 movie uh dumpling. yes uh dumpling another netflix exclusive uh starring jennifer anderson and a parody of sorts of uh child beauty pageants is one i've been sort of interested in seeing it ties nicely into our our season of uh separating the work of female directors of note so we'll be obviously looking that on our next episode so uh make sure you join us for that but until then thank you for listening thank you to my co-host kim and we will be back next time to talk about dumpling good night <laughs>